everybody. Welcome to Financial Fireside Chats. Is that our name? I think I think that's what we agreed <laughs> upon, but, but okay. I'm, I'm indifferent. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fireside Chats. I'm your co-host, Trevor, joined by everybody's favorite off-grid wealth manager, Blaine. How are you doing, Blaine? Thanks for the uh, unnecessary introduction. <laughs> did you well. did did you like did you like that name, Off Grid Wealth Manager? I think that's good. I I'm good with that. I wasn't actually sure if that was the right title. I don't know if it's financial advisor or They're all the same to me. Nice. How's it going, man? Did you get snowed in? Not quite, but we did get about two feet, and so that's oh. uh, holy cow, a lot of fun, and it was. Uh, but it, it's going to get warm the next couple of days, so it'll melt pretty quick, so that's nice. Are you going down to work? I work from, from my house, luckily, oh, and nice. uh, coronavirus has also incentivized that as well. Are you, are you guys open? We are open. We are technically um, essential. Got it. So, so this, is, this is the weird situation I'm in at work. I'm assuming no one from my work will ever listen to this. So... Um, we are considered essential as well, right? Because healthcare. Yep. And my job, I'm supposed to travel. So I've just taken it on myself to assume that I should be working from home. That but, seems like the, the, safe, <laughs> the safe thing to do for your health. Yeah, I agree. But you would be surprised. Like we have this culture like, hey, you should be going to work right now. Like we're healthcare workers. And it's like, okay, whatever. Like I'm a physical therapist. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to put anyone on a ventilator, you know, but, but there are nurses and stuff, you know, at our work too. So it's kind of this culture, like everyone needs to be at work. Everyone needs to be business as usual. And I'm like, man, screw that. I do not want to go to work right now. I especially don't want to travel. Does, is, would anyone call you out or would anybody Uh, notice? Yeah. Jeez, man. What is that supposed to mean? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That what I have going for me is there's so many different offices that typically people will just assume I'm at a different office, you know, but it's been a month now since anybody's seen me. So, <laughs> so, you know, after a while that starts to not be an, a good excuse, you know, so yeah. I'm going to have to go in soon, but it kind of looks like we're sort of turning a corner on this thing. It does. <clears throat> and the the only thing I'm worried about is getting back to normal too quickly and from a health from a health perspective yes and and because i i was reading something over the weekend that said singapore and south korea um specifically singapore had um a rise in in new cases after they laxed some of the you know restrictions that they had put in place because they were one of the first people to or the first countries to really lock things down and they have had a very low case rate right and and now they lifted that up and people are coming back uh home to singapore if they weren't and bringing the virus with them and so it's it's the one thing i kind of worry about is is not keeping the the restrictions down long enough and kind of doing a second wave I kind of I kind of had like a was running my own thought experiment in my head about what you just said. So <clears throat> at some point we're going to a thing just came out today like maybe we'll start easing back in in May, whatever that means. 
and then your point is, you know, what if the cases come back? And I and I agree. That makes me a little nervous. I I wonder though, what is what is like the acceptable number? This is going to sound morbid, but what is like the acceptable number of deaths that we just say it's not worth doing any major changes to the way businesses operate, the way our economy works? I think it's all relative. I think it's going to be less than what has been going on. Um, you know, I I remember when there were a thousand deaths and everybody was like, oh my God. And, you know, there's like 22,000 now or 20,000 now. And so it's, um, it's, it's a balancing act that I don't want to have to figure out. So I think, yeah, I, I agree. Do you know how many people died from the flu last year? Let me, let me guess. 67,000. <laughs> You're super close. 61. <clears throat> so I get I guess we we didn't shut down we don't shut down our economy for that even though we know it's going to happen every year. It's not new. <clears throat> yeah, I get it. I get it, but I just wonder at some point if do you cuz this is going to come back every year now. I mean, it's not just going to go away. Yeah. So do you think we this happens every year now? Yeah, I think you just get, I think instead of getting just the flu shot, you get this and, and the, the corona shot too. And So assuming, assuming there is one, then that would, be the, that would be the MO. Got it. I think also face masks are going to be, you know, we used to not laugh, but like you always used to, to, to see Asians wearing those masks. That's, it, that's for pollution though. Okay. So... Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot more common here now. And I just and, wonder if these masks do anything. I mean, I guess what, what will be really telling is the flu deaths this year. Because we can track that year over year. Obviously, we can't compare coronavirus to last year if we weren't wearing masks. But we have like a really good set of data where last year no one wore masks and this X amount of people yep. died. And I think I think we're shaping up to be the same this year. So I, I really question whether masks even do anything. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'm uh, probably off the deep end when it comes to that. Per- I, I take the entire other approach. I think I think this was a third, so far, granted, and every death is tragic, but one-third as fatal as the flu. Our reaction seems disproportionate. <laughs> is know? it one-third as fatal? I thought it was more. In terms of number of deaths, it's one-third. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And actually, we have no idea how fatal it is. There's, we have no true sense of how many cases there are. Yeah. We have a sense of how many symptomatic cases there are, and 5% of those people pass away, we think. Because I, um, I would assume you'd need a, a randomized sample. Oh, of, you, you would tests. need... I mean, we have 100 years of data for the flu. It's, and, here, and here's the other thing. If, um, if you get coronavirus... Say, say you're an 80-year-old with emphysema right now. And you are terminal, like you maybe have a year to live, and you get coronavirus and die. That's a coronavirus death, even if you died of a heart attack. Yeah. But if you have, if you're an 80 year old with emphysema, and get the flu and die, you died of emphysema or a heart attack or whatever the, yeah. fi- the final cause of death was. So even that, even those numbers are skewed. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I think. I think it will turn out, and this is such, I, people, this gets like political and stuff. I really don't have any political opinions, but I think, uh, 
I think it's going to be 1% or less. And that's what Germany is saying. Germany said 0.2% fatality wow. rate. And Sweden, they've issued no stay-at-home order, and they have some of the best numbers of anybody. Why is that? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's a really good question, actually. Is it their healthcare system? But there's no treatment. So that's that seems like a like that couldn't be the answer because there's no actual treatment. I mean, yeah. the, the only two drugs so far they're, that are showing promise are remdesmiv- remdesmivir and the hydrochloroquine. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if those are approved yet or not. The, remdes- the, new, the remdesmivir is, is new to me. What is that? So that was a drug. The very first person who got it in America was given that drug, and it had immediate resolution. Complete cure. Um, that was used, I think, during Ebola, and hydrochloroquine is for malaria. And uh, I don't, I don't know. There seems to be some kind of agenda as to what drug gets approved. Um, they both seem to work, so I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's just a process for liability and safety and all that. But anyway. Um, I guess, I guess there's like a run on those drugs. Doctors are prescribing themselves and their families those drugs. Uh, well, I know I have a, a client that has lupus, and she it, won't. She will not get coronavirus. That's good. She also yeah. doesn't. She also can't get her medication. Oh yeah. Well, then, <laughs> she, then she is in a whole different. Yeah. yeah. I've actually taken hydrochloroquine when I went to Haiti. It's a malaria drug. I don't know for sure if it was hydrochloroquine. It was whichever one gives you crazy dreams. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that, so I'm, w- I'm wishing I hadn't taken it and I just hung on to it. <laughs> Might have gotten malaria though, so that would have been a pretty, pretty big downside. That would have been a bummer. That's interesting you brought up lupus. So I don't know if there's been any cases of someone with lupus getting it. And there's also almost no, I mean, I'm sure there's, thousands but relatively speaking very few cases in africa which i mean we can't attribute that to a good healthcare system in most cases i'd assume and so they think one reason may be that so many people are taking malaria medication yeah wow anyway so yeah hopefully they come up with a good treatment or a vaccine or whatever something yeah um okay so say say on Friday of this week, they announce we've turned the corner. We're going to start easing uh, restrictions and blah, blah, blah. What do you think the market just follows suit or what do you think? The, I would imagine. So the only kink in that, that theory would be earning season. And, Ooh, yeah. Good so point. that it ramps up this week, but it's kind of like a preview this week. The majority of it is is next week, um, meaning in about ten days from now. And the financials come out this week, and that is one thing that I'm kind of watching because what basically what happened on Thursday, the Fed came out and and said essentially they're going to buy loans from all the major financial institutions and and that these loans would basically go out to 
borderline every segment of the economy except for um, junk bonds. So, so explain that to me. So, buy. So, if the Fed is buying a loan from J.P. Moore, is that what you mean by major finance? Yep. Okay. Does that mean they're they're making them a loan, or does that mean they're buying a loan that's already on their balance sheet? And so they so the Fed essentially wants J.P. Morgan and the the big banks, Bank of America, City, Wells Fargo, to to make loans to ah, um, okay. larger companies. And so they've got a guaranteed buyer. They can go out and make exactly. loans knowing that someone will just buy whatever they originate. 90, so 95% of it. So okay. so the bank's still on the hook for 5%. Um, but essentially the Fed is is authorized $2 trillion to go buy these loans from the bank so they can go out and do it again. So does that make banks, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, does that make them big beneficiaries of this more than other companies? A you, beneficiary maybe, but the the thing that it the fed threw a hail mary with this with this plan and the banks are critical to that plan working and so i i don't see a, a lot of a high chance that you know if if things do continue to go south i don't see a high chance of the bank stocks being pummeled as much because because if the fed's going to keep anything going it's going to be those banks because they're they're part of this process and and so those are that's one thing that i'm kind of watching for next week and that's if things get worse um i i don't see the bank stocks getting hit as hard um and so but they're all expected to not have a very good earnings call this this week you know that that's the thing there's so much it's so much about expectation and emotion and I I think everyone's assuming the earnings calls will be bad. So if they're slightly less bad, that could mean a, a huge exactly uptick. If they're slightly more bad, that could mean a, a downtick. So it's man, it's, earnings are one thing that I've never felt comfortable investing around because no. a bad earnings call will come out and maybe I I shorted it the day before. And yep. I'm like, I'm like, yes, and then the stock goes up twenty <laughs> percent. No, there, there's been times where, where you know, a company I've been watching has record profits that blow out everything they've ever done, but their stock drops the day they announce because it was expected to be higher, and and so it's 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 silly in a in a sense, but that's how it works. And the other, um, oh man, I just lost what I was gonna say. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking. I wonder how much. I let earnings even factor in. I guess I should probably be looking at the companies that I'm interested in and when their earnings are and just pay attention to it, but not really base any decisions around it, I guess. No. The 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 thing that's different about this earnings season ever is is the there's all these analysts in New York that give their estimates for what these companies are gonna do. And normally they are all pretty well bunched in a in a pretty narrow range. And this earnings season, specifically this one coming up, is the widest spread that's ever been recorded. And meaning, mm. you, you know, that none of the smartest people know what's going to happen. And Got it. So, so that's kind of the the interesting thing. And so I, I do think this it's going to move the market either one way or the other, um, depending on what what's happening. Personally, I don't think it's going to be as bad as people think because everything really got heavy in March and 
quarter one was January through March. So, um, you know, if there's if there's companies with international exposure, if there's companies that are um, like Starbucks, you know, where where Starbucks, if if you don't go buy a coffee today, you're not going to go buy two tomorrow. You know, right. it's right. that that kind of a thing. They're never going to make it up. No. And so, you know, I think internationally exposed companies as well as daily consumables are, are probably going to get hit. Um, if it's more or less than expected, as who knows. But So Q2 is probably going to end up actually being the worst quarter for a lot of companies then, I imagine. Dep- depends if, if... How much longer this goes on. Yep, because we're, we're 12 days in, so... Um, here, here's what's really been not stressing me out, but it's just, honestly, it's been interesting more than anything to be the age I am and to just to be around at this time in the world. It's such a crazy time. And I mean, I know it's a, it's a health crisis first and foremost, but it's been interesting to watch what these stocks have been doing. And I, I was feeling a little bit like a genius because every single stock I bought in March is up. 30%, 30%, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then that's because everything's up 30% and it's a lot higher to pick something to buy right now. And the the last week I've been like, okay, let me look at this. And if it dips, I'll buy it and it goes up 20%. You know, let me look at yeah. this. If it dips, it goes up 20%. So, may, you know, I'm realizing maybe that's not a good mindset is to, to be so uh, cheap, I guess, in terms of picking stocks is waiting for dips and drops. But it seems like we can't be out of the woods yet. You know, it's it, we we're we're now technically in a bull market, and <laughs> if you just look at the past couple of weeks, you know, yeah, and this is a middle in the middle of the, I think it has to be the biggest, um, government driven shutdown of an econ of our economy at least ever in, in or, world history, right? And we're in a we're in a two week bull market, so I, I guess the future. I was looking at the futures; they're down a little bit for yeah. tomorrow, but. I mean, are you expecting more? You can't make predictions, but you, you're. I, I imagine this next year that's going to be up and down, up and down. Hey, we have an election coming up, and and that's obviously going to play into it. But I, I listened to a lot of smart people in the last couple of days, and and they generally have a consensus that this is not going to be over until fall, and and so that's. You know, I th- I think there's a lot of things that could still happen, um, as far as the the medical virus side of things. Um, this it could get worse, but there's there's no way to tell. I just don't see this. I don't see us getting less volatile from here on out. You know, I don't I don't see us going sideways in, until the end of the year. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And what's surprising to me because I I remember the VIX was up to 80 something. And I was thinking, man, I really need to buy EVIX, which is the short short of the VIX because the VIX is never going to be this high. And it, 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 it hasn't, it's all the way down to 40 again. Um, I don't remember what the VIX typically trades at. So that might still be considered very high, but it's a long way off from 80. So I wonder, I wonder I guess people feel like we're heading into more certainty and things have calmed down a bit, but man, we'll see. It seems like the opposite of everything I think was going to happen has happened so far. So um, yeah, <laughs> that that might be a good compass. If I think things are going to go up, I should short everything. Yeah. 
And I mean, the Fed really threw a, a wild card in, into the mix on Thursday, and that was a big deal. You were, you had been showing me some numbers last week when we talked about national debt and stuff. Do you want to do you want to talk about those? I do. <clears throat> Let me pull that up here. Basically, if I remember correctly, there's a there's a whole lot of debt. <laughs> was the was the take home from that? There there is, and so the when you talk about trillions of dollars, and you, you tend to lose focus on on how that relates um, to maybe your personal finance, and so to to put this to put our government's financial situation into perspective, I I indexed the 2018 tax revenue from the United States government government to the average household income of just say around $100,000. So for the example, so in 2018 we had government revenues of 3.3 trillion. And I converted that and and all the other following numbers to basically a ratio to where 2018 we'll just call that income as 100,000. So in 2018 20- Sorry, say say that again. So we're we're calling the three point three trillion the hundred thousand. Yeah. So okay. I'm equating basically the the government revenue of three point three trillion to a hundred thousand dollars, which is a number we can understand exactly. Okay. And then I I took the neck. You know, I have the government expenses, the deficit, as well as the debt, national debt, all indexed to that same ratio, meaning we can compare kind of apples to apples. And so going from that point of view, so in 2018, think about if, if you and your family had 100000 of income. Okay. Expenses that the government had indexed to that same ratio would be 123000 So you're already, you have 100000 of income, you have 123000 of expenses, so you're already short $2,000 a month. Right. And then... At the same time, you have a mortgage for around six hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and so you're running two thousand dollars short per month to pay all your bills, and you have a significant mortgage, six hundred and fifty thousand. So that was twenty eighteen. Twenty nineteen, income went up a little bit. Your income was one hundred and three thousand. Nice cost of living adjustment. I like pretty it. much. Um, the only downside was your expenses went up by ten thousand dollars, and so now you're short about three grand a month. Okay. And then we also increased the debt. So now instead of six hundred and sixty thousand in debt, we are six hundred and eighty-one. And so this was to the end of twenty nineteen. So now twenty twenty, we've had some changes. And due to a couple things, there was actually the SECURE Act that got passed uh, in January, which everybody's forgotten about now. Uh, but that reduces government revenue due to them extending out the RMDs. Uh, long story, but government revenue is expected to go down. And then obviously with coronavirus, that's going to go down as well. Um, so the, the best estimates I've seen... Uh, basically equate to instead of 103,000 of income like it was in 2019, it would be 90,000 in 2020. Yikes. And then that, that's no good. Nope. 
and then expenses kept going up at the same pace. So now expenses are 144,000 and that leaves us with a shortfall of 50 grand a year that we're short compared to, you know, 90 and 144. So say say the start revenue was 100, right? And the 2020 revenue is one is 90? 90. And then what the debt went from what to what our imaginary like the adjusted version that we understand. So, yeah, so it, it started at 660, 660,000 and we're now with the stimulus with the with the light version of the stimulus that people are talking about the 2 trillion. Mm-hmm. It takes it to 768,000. Okay. So I have a question for you. I I I actually cuz we've talked about this already, so I I know that we both agree on this, but I will play devil's advocate a little bit. So my first question is, do you, what do you think that means? Or would you, you, would you consider that good or bad? I would consider it from a borderline national security point of view. Oh, bad. okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know if I have an argument against that, actually. From what perspective? From, from the perspective of this is not uncommon across the world. You know, deficits are going up, debt is going up across the world. Japan is light years ahead of us as far as debt compared to GDP and and revenue. Um, but just, but they but they have much worse you know demographics than us, so it's hurting them a lot worse than I think yep. it will hurt us. But yep. And the 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 point though is is just because everybody else um is doing it i don't i don't think it's a good idea and the the analogy is a warren buffett quote that says you see who's swimming naked when the water when the tide goes goes out right and and i think we're dangerously swimming naked with with this action that we did here in the last couple months and so so that's mine i'm going to try to channel my and and i don't agree with these people, but I'm going to channel my inner AOC or okay. Bernie or Bernie Sanders and say, um, so what if our debt is we 10 exit? So yeah. what? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's tough to argue. <laughs> it, Cause it's, it's such a hypothetical you don't know, but I, I, th- I think their perspective is we can just make the money which and the more money you make the easier it becomes to pay back the old money because there's now more dollars right and the dollars are worth less so you're fixing so so if you if you have a 10 trillion dollar debt but then you print 100 trillion dollars it's really easy to pay off 10 trillion dollars you know what i mean yeah because the debt is locked in at the old price and then to top that they have the fact that the dollar is stronger than ever before i don't know about ever before but it's very strong yeah I think I think they're just looking around and saying, "Hey, we can do more of this." So you have you have classic it, the 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 main fear of why governments don't do this is hyperinflation, right? And and that is countered by modern monetary theory. And the my only issue, the thing I don't like about modern monetary theory is the name. Um, because it <laughs> yeah. makes it, it makes it sound. Uh, you're t- you're talking about old monetary theory. 
Well, yeah. Well, the, so modern monetary theory is a, is a twist on Keynes, and and basically that governments can. I mean, the the main takeaway everybody takes away is the governments can run as high deficits as they want, right? And and they print print all the money they need. So so that's Keynes, and then what what's the other one? That's the opposite. It's Dutch Adam, or Adam Smith. Isn't there? Isn't it named after a country though? Uh, maybe I guess it's just Smith Economics. I thought there was like a. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, okay. I have to so get back into my textbooks. Yeah, sorry, I have no idea. So anyway, so yeah, it's a twist on Keynes. Who cares? And and I think that doesn't work for people because, I mean, I think an advantage we have is that you know we we have the strongest military. We are the reserve currency. Everything's denominated in dollars. So it's it's tougher for our currency to become hyperinflated, I think, than other folks. Do you think that's true, or 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 is that true? But then the problem becomes that's slowly changing, and once we lose that, we're going to be hosed, basically. Yeah, and and so I I do think that if it, I think we would set an example, if if the government if the U.S. government did pursue this, which I don't I don't think we will, but I I do think that the reason nobody's actively pursuing this right now is because nobody else is doing it. And and actively if, actively pursuing going the other direction. Yeah, modern modern monetary theory. Got it. And and I think if I think if somebody did, it would allow it would it would make other countries more comfortable in pursuing it as well. Um which I don't think would be good for normal fiat currencies i i agree do you ever do you ever see a country us or anybody trying to go back the other direction trying to deflate their currency because that's even worse for an economy i think if it if it has trade benefits um you know then then that might be the case um i forget how that works if you're an exporter you want to you would want to deflate right yeah or, okay yes and okay. and because that's what that's what a lot of people have accused China of doing is is manipulating their currency because they're an exporter. Okay. They're an, a major exporter, and so, um, so yeah, I don't know. It it's it's just it, and right now is a very fragile time, and as far as pursuing those those items right now too, that would be another twist to this whole story as well. I just I just can't see somebody standing up and saying, guys, it's time to pay off the debt <laughs> you know like like sure it's going to be bad for our economy and it's going to you know everything's going to get uh you know every, we're going to deflate everything so all your assets will get you know less valuable and yeah, they'll get, taxes they'll get voted out of office real ta- quick i'm going to raise taxes and slash programs like no one no one's going to vote for that nope <clears throat> so hopefully i just hope it doesn't become a runaway train and i mean the Fed. I was I was listening to another podcast. I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about the original stated purpose of the Fed, and it was to Dual keep mandate. Yeah, and I know there's two mandates. You'll have to remind me the second one, jobs or something maybe. But the first one I think was to hold the economy to a two percent inflation rate. Does yep. that sound right? Okay. What was the other one? Uh, full employment. Full employment. That I think that's BS, man. You don't. You don't do what you you don't do the things that the fed is doing if you're really trying to maintain two percent inflation i think they're trying to keep the markets going i the the 
normally in the past the fed has um played a, a role with the interest rates where you know they they raise interest rates when the markets are doing what they're doing in 2018 2019 they they raise interest rates to encourage people to put more money in their savings account and to calm the markets and then when you go through a recession they drop the interest rates like they did in 2008 to get money out of people's savings accounts and into the markets to to boost the markets and and what and and they kind of do that all under the disguise of the two percent inflation because um, that's that's really the the inflation rate that's that's been designated as this is what keeps our economy moving forward not at a too too fast of a rate but at a healthy rate um, and so what they've done here recently though is is think of think of lowering the interest rate as as ammunition um, they they emptied their clip like two or three weeks ago you know and and so they're they're out of bullets now as far as the inflation rate. Um, or excuse me, as far as the interest rate, and so now they they that tool is gone, and that's why they've done these other programs recently here is because moving the interest rates to zero wasn't enough to keep the markets going, and normally they wouldn't even do this until we're in a recession. But I think you're hitting the nail on the head. They they're doing that to keep the markets going. That's not their. I mean, that's no, not their mandate. I mean, they're if 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 you ask someone, hey. What should we do to keep inflation from going up? And they said, "How about a two trillion dollar stimulus package?" <laughs> You'd be like, "Okay," but I guess that plays into the dual mandate. You could say they're just trying unemployment. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's crazy times. I, I, um, I think what I take from the national debt thing is that I, I don't know what I take from that. I don't know if that affects my what I want to buy. It stresses me out a little bit. It's but just a it's just a significant increase in the national debt over overnight. And it, it's and a it, significant it, increase in our debt overnight. And tax revenue is down. Expenses are up. Expenses are up. Monetary the, the monetary supply is up. I don't know if that means anything for us invest you know, investing wise. Maybe banks are interesting, more interesting than they used to be. Yeah, I mean they've. I'm I'm interested in them to see what you know at least what's going to happen over the next couple months. Um, I don't see a lot of downside for them with the Fed's backing of the whole market. At what, like what year mark would you be comfortable saying the market will be ten percent higher than than it is now? Is it six months? Is it? Five years? What, where do you feel like you confidently predict that the market will be higher than it is now? That's a super. That's a super tough question. I I'm not going to hold you to it. <laughs> confidently, I'm just trying I, to get a sense for what like what you think. I would confidently. I would say three years. Okay. But would it surprise me if we were ten percent higher in two weeks? Sure. It, maybe maybe yeah. it would surprise right. me, but. You know, it, any, well, if, any time if I would have asked now, you that, if I would have asked you that last Friday, and you had said yeah. next next Friday, you would have been, yeah. <laughs> you would have been right. Oh man! <clears throat> so let's see. We're um, I was just looking at shadow stats while you were talking. We're we're forty one minutes into this. You want to uh, talk about some stock picks? Let's do it. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a disclaimer. 
Um, if you listen to any ideas we have, you're you're not smart. <laughs> you should you should do your own research, talk to your own financial advisor. Uh, Blaine doesn't want to get in trouble because he is an and for a fact I can tell you he's not giving anybody advice. I don't think we have any listeners, but I won't even take his advice. That's how serious <laughs> I am about the disclaimer. Do not listen to either of us. If you pick anything we pick today, you will lose all your money. All right. <laughs> what do you think? With that being said. Do you think that would pass uh, I think a, com- so. a compliance test? I think so. Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? I, I'll go first. It, okay. it, will, it will piggyback off the bank stocks I mentioned earlier. Um, so the four largest banks in the U.S., J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo. And I think they're in that order. Okay. With that being said, and with the program the Fed is doing, I'm. I think the downside risk to any of these is is low. Um, having to pick one of the four, I'm gonna go with J.P. Morgan Chase. Ooh, nice, because that's the one I bought last week. Oh, like there you go. Hear, I like to hear that. They had a good day yesterday. They are, I think, the healthiest out of the banks. Um. I know they just passed the stress test. I know they're expanding pretty well. Um, I've I like Chase too, the 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 consumer facing brand. Um, and so yeah, that that's my pick, and uh, we'll see what happens. Man, I don't know how much um, you know the consumer side of things. I don't know how big a part of their business that is, but like forty percent. Oh, okay, so that's pretty big. I just I, I see chases going up everywhere. I don't see other banks popping up. Like, no, I've I've noticed. You know, there's a lot of they're they're expanding a lot, and it's it's it is weird to me because brick and mortar seems to not be the trend anymore. Yeah, yeah. That I guess you're right. That is weird. Although when when I owned um, a business, I was in there all the time. So maybe maybe they're you know still really relevant for business but yeah you're right for personal stuff i i never go to the bank but um i know wells fargo should go away they're a bunch of you know, <laughs> corrupt jerks over there they just got in trouble for something else too i forgot what it was something to do with holding something hostage until they got their caps changed or something i i won't pretend to remember what it was but um they were trying to stall something, like maybe yeah. a relief package or something. They were trying to stall something to get some um, restrictions taken off of them. But, Wonderful. Yeah, and they're, I don't know if they're still paying the fines for what they did last time or what, but okay, J.P. Morgan Chase. So I bought I bought them at 90 quite a while ago, actually. It wasn't last week. It was like mid-March. And I've kept looking and saying, okay, if it gets below 90, I'll buy more. I don't know if it's going to go back down that low, so I may just buy some more now. It's at 102. Yeah. 76, it looks like. So I don't know. We'll see. What's All your right. pick? So um, we, can't, we can't forget to put that on our spreadsheet. We're going to track this. Are we, so are we not doing dollar amounts then? Or? I don't think so. Okay. I think a percentage is, is relevant. Like a percentage of. Oh, the growth. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, oh, percent. Yeah, got it, got it, got it. 
All right, so I'm going to, well, I have a couple choices for you. Okay. And I want you to not give me personal advice. This say it's for my friend. Okay. Um, so the biggest cut in oil production was announced today in history. Uh, I don't know if it was today or when it was, but I just and saw oil it. prices didn't move. Yeah, well, I don't even know. Can they even move over the weekends? I don't know how that works. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I think they might have gone up a little bit. Anyway, I'll check that later. So the biggest cut was announced today in history um, for, I believe, for OPEC Plus. So not just the main guys, but everybody. Yeah. There, there's something weird with Mexico. Like they didn't agree to the full cut, but they are still cutting. Um, then there were some comments like, oh, even if we do a huge cut, we have so much in reserves that we probably won't feel that cut for a while. But it's at 20 something a barrel. I'm feeling like, well, first of all, before I even say this, the stock I want to pick, I have to thank you because you told me about Gush a while ago, and I am up like 70% on that or something, 65%. As uh, throwing darts. <laughs> and uh, man, that still has a lot of room to run. It's still 99.5% off its high. <laughs> but, uh, but so. Maybe I just look at that again, but the, th- the thing that gave me pause about that, which again, I'm being too logical, is that they're an exploration and refinery yep. fund. And exploration is not going to make sense for a long time. But again, Years. everything's forward looking and most people who buy this probably don't even look into it. So, um, so maybe I just look at that again. But I'm looking at USO, which is another one you told me about. They are, you know, like all the oil companies are at a low, long time low. Um, that, that is a West Texas crude uh, tracking ETF. That is correct. Light, sweet, crude, technically. Light, sweet, crude. So I just, I don't know how oil gets that much cheaper than $20, man. I just, tell, tell me I'm thinking crazy, but... I, uh, especially with the biggest cut in history. The, the only counter to that would be, so, so they, that cut affects the supply side. Right. The demand side is, is the big question mark and, and the latest. But can, can the demand get lower? Yes. I guess it can. Yeah. And do I see it getting much lower? No, but, um, it, it depends on too the type of the type of gasoline or the type of oil. So you you have gasoline, you have diesel, and you have airline jet fuel, and gasoline is going to take the biggest hit. And I don't know what percentage of gasoline makes up the oil market, but I would imagine it's a pretty good amount. It's got to be huge. And well, a lot of gasoline, I, I guess, relatively, there's much more discretionary use in gasoline than than jet fuel and diesel. And so with this stay-at-home order, um, you know, I I can see people driving less for another year. And I can I can see that too. Can you see them driving driving less than they are right now for another year? No, because I'm not driving at all. I'm not driving at all. Yeah, I fill I mean, up my grocery store every once in a while, but I've had the same tank of gas in my car for like a month now, and that's never happened. 
So then I guess the question is, has that hit the oil price yet? I kind of, I mean, at 20 bucks a barrel. No, you're getting down to, to, you know, Saudi Arabia is breaking even and everybody else is losing, you know, and, and that's exactly, that's not so sustainable. We're not making any, um, I imagine, or we won't be for much longer. The only, no, the, only yeah. the only people making money are Saudi Arabia and maybe Russia, maybe Russia. Venezuela. I don't know, but um, so I'm I'm gonna do some of that. The other one I was looking at potentially was Gilead Sciences, and the reason being is the they own the Remdesivir. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but they own Remdesivir. Hydrochloroquine is, um, I believe it's off patent, so I think anybody can make it. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive about that, but it is a very cheap drug. So even if, you know, it's demand a hundred X, I don't think it'd be that impactful. So I'm looking at Gilead. The problem with Gilead is they're, they're at a high right now. They they're, they're not at a low. So their that... volume spiked, um, late February. And so once, once this got serious, everybody rushed into pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and I remember I remember looking at all all of them like Anovio and GlaxoSmithKline and Johnson and Johnson and Iliad, and they had already peaked so much. They've come down a little bit. Um, Gilead, Gilead in particular has come down. I don't know why. Um, you know, I, probably because they started talking about the hydrochloroquine stuff. So people probably thought, oh, there's there's a drug, so. The thesis doesn't hold up if remdesivir isn't that drug. But I um I just I sent some hesitance to to use hydrochloroquine. Every time Fauci talks about it, he kind of is like, "Well, hold on." Yeah. You know, and and remdesivir has been coming up more and more in press conferences. So I don't think I'm going to do that one just because I think the the whole valuation aspect is it's high. Um, it is, yeah. So, but if I see if I see Gilead take another drop, I might do that. So I'm going to go ahead and do USO at four dollars and ninety eight cents. And then let me get let me get JPM's price. Now I'm conflicted because I want to win, you know, out of these two picks, but at the same time I have some JP Morgan. So <laughs> I, I, I want you to do good too. Yeah, JP Morgan's at one one hundred two seventy six. Okay, nice. All right, man. Um, let's see. We are about 53 minutes into this. I guess we can wrap up. Um, I hope your snow melts soon. So it can, does. So you can come down off the mountain. Um, I don't know, man. How do you want to? How do you want to wrap this up? I think that's. I think it's a good. I think it's a good first episode. And. Uh, We'll our, keep it moving. Our first episode on Easter, no less. So the the world started falling apart. Uh, people, you know, nurses and physicians, they they stepped up. They went to work to change the world. Blaine and I, we talked and we decided our contribution would be a financial podcast. <laughs> and I also did. I also did read. There's been a record number of new podcasts started. Oh no! Is that true? That is true. I think there's near a million now. Oh my gosh. Well, everybody's at home bored that's, looking that's for something exactly to do. Right. Man, if nothing else, this will this will force me to buy stock once a week and it will force me to keep in touch with you once a week and see how 
the twins are doing. Man, I can't believe you have twins. That's so weird to say. It's so this is this is a good way to describe twins. Imagine you've got two iPhones and they have okay. to stay on the opposite end of the room. So one's at one corner of the room, the other iPhone's at the other corner. How many how many chargers do you have? One charger. Okay. <laughs> and you have and they're they're both at about two percent battery and they're both playing <laughs> playing music really loud. And you gotta keep the music going. And you got one charger. And oh my gosh. That's twins. You come up with the best analogies first. That, that's stressful. That's like that's that's what happens. And then then about twenty percent of the time, everybody's sleeping. So are you? Are you? Um, you have. I mean, I assume you have two car seats, right? Well, of course. Um, are you super super annoyed by the car seats, or do you like them? I love my car seats. Oh geez, I could not stand getting that thing in and out of the car all the time. It drove me crazy. I just Did, click in. All right. Well, don't make me feel dramatic, but New, it just Nuna Pipa. <laughs> the Nuna Pipa is the best car seat in the world. I'm gonna have to look into the Nuna Pipa. Olivia it's actually a late for you. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, she's still Harper's still in a car seat, but we um we only had one for our two cars, so we would just move it, and it was such a pain to move it. But Olivia got in a really minor fender bender, so they sent us a new car seat. So. Sweet. So we just kept the old one. <laughs> I know it's bad, but li- literally, like it, her bumper got scratched. Like the car wow. seat's not broken. So now we have one in each. It's kind of nice. Have you been uh, tempted to go do a little off-roading in the snow with your Jeep? Absolutely not. You're not. A, you're not into it anymore. Oh, I would. I would jump at it any other time, but but we have we have we have no free time left. You told me you get one hour a day. One hour. That's correct. And, <laughs> and this is this is my hour. And the, I think yesterday I I I ran the dogs, and that was that was my that was my free time yesterday. With the mask on, I hope. Uh, no, I was maskless. And, you can uh, you can be arrested for that right now. I don't know if you know that. I think I'm a, I'm an unincorporated county. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because that was just San Bernardino County that did that. Okay. Um. All right. So you're good. You're not breaking the law. I was about no. to report you, man. No. <laughs> well, hey, thank you for giving your one free hour today to the show. I think Gladly. I think there's a chance within the next three years when the market's up ten percent that we will have a listener or two. <laughs> I think that's a good chance. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. Have a good one. You too. Bye.